Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies. I am joined by a very special guest. He is the co-founder of Draft Digest, Thunder publisher for Fan Nation by SI Now. Among other things, he is a, a Pokemon master, Derek Parker. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm good. You know, it was my goal when I was since I've been about 40 years old to be introduced as Pokemon Master so I can hang it up. I can retire. I'm good. I made it like four year old Derek would be proud. This is a great day. This is entirely why I brought you on is just for this (laughs) this one achievement. But Derek is very much plugged in with college basketball and much more with grassroots than I am. So I thought I'd bring him on to ask him about some of the draft guys in this upcoming draft cycle. Uh, But first of all, you know, the Thunder, it seems like they have four out of their five starters kind of cemented. Maybe that Lou Dort spot maybe is a little bit, you know, up in the air, give or take. But what do you think the Thunder are missing in that fifth starting spot next to a guy like Chet? It's it's really tough because a ton of what they're missing, Chet Holmgren adds like it's just too hard to know what they're missing without having him in the lineup this year when Chet got hurt. Sam Presti wasn't lying when he said that, paraphrasing here, the biggest thing they'll miss is the time they could have spent seeing what they had and getting a feel for things with Chet in the lineup. Um, But to answer your question, I mean, rim protection, rebounding, more three-point shooting, size, length, and again, all things that Holmgren adds. So it seems like Oklahoma City is in a little bit of a predicament where they can either add those things anyways or they can add something with Chet coming back in mind. Like maybe they don't need rim protection when they know he's coming back, so they don't opt to go that way in the draft. Yeah, I remember we even were talking on Twitter, and somebody mentioned the uh, fact of, you know, they should trade for somebody, and we talked about Presti um, in a quote where he said, don't try to fix a problem you don't even know that you have yet. So there are certain things on the Thunder roster that are definitely needed next to Chet, but I'm not saying it's something they should just trade for immediately. Um, but I don't know the archetypal guy in my head is sort of like a younger, like Harrison Barnes or something like that, where it's a, a thicker, like four man who can switch and play defense and knock down a couple threes, but you're not looking for somebody like, um, Kawhi Leonard or Paul George level in that final spot. It feels like the rest of the roster is rounding out nicely where you just need a solid player in that spot. Yeah, for some reason, and I truly look at Chet as the five of the future for this Thunder team, but for some reason, like Miles Turner just always comes to mind. I just think that would be a really interesting fit. Like he's perimeter oriented enough. I think that would be super interesting. Well, the Thunder are a team made up of just a bunch of wings, and we're seeing a lot of teams kind of go in that direction. It's kind of, for me, started with the Toronto Raptors teams, and then the Celtics have kind of evolved that, and the Thunder are kind of playing in that path of just like how many giant wings can we get there out there as possible. So this draft happens to have a lot of those guys. So I thought we'd go five out here, and I just ask you about five different guys in this upcoming draft and get your opinion on them. First, we're going to start with Brandon Miller, who's been in some drama, which we're probably not going to really touch on because that is not our job. We are here to talk about basketball, and until all the facts come out, it's just not really worth it to date ourselves and come out and say something dumb. But what do you think about Brandon Miller as a uh, draft prospect? I would have friends who texted me like so long ago being like, who is going to be the most thunder esque pick in the upcoming draft, even like a year out. And I was like, it's going to be Brandon Miller. Like Brandon Miller is going to be a thunder. And now fast forward a year later, and he's probably the favorite favorite to be the number three pick. So it's a little out of range, but, As a prospect, Miller checks like most of the boxes that Oklahoma City is looking for. Six foot nine, lengthy, do it all type guy. 
He's shooting 40% from three on like seven attempts, I think, something silly like that. Really underrated passer and playmaker, and he's a solid defender. I mean, he, he checks a ton of boxes. I think he would be really good in like the the tertiary or even like secondary score role for Oklahoma City. But again, he, he just might be out of the, the draft range at this point. Yeah, I was very impressed. I You mentioned the 40% on over seven attempts per game. I put that in my notes with LOL right next to it. <laughs> shooting 43% on over seven attempts per, uh, from three is just incredible, but he's shooting 46, 43, 86 splits. Um, I watched some more film of him because I thought, you know, well, you know, the overall field goal percentage is kind of low, but he's not like a Jabari Smith type of guy where he can't put the ball on the floor. He can do a lot of different things. That was a huge comp for a lot of people coming into the year. And even early in the season when he was shooting like 38% at the rim or something like that. And it seems like every time we bring up a weakness, he spends the next five games proving that it's absolutely not a weakness. And now he's up to like near 60% at the rim. And he's proving that, I mean, the other 90, he had a crossover on GG with like three seconds left, hit a game winner. Like the dude is way far advanced in terms of like creation and ball handling than Jabari Smith Jr. He's really good. Where is one part of his game where you'd like to see some development before the draft cycle kind of comes around uh, later this year? He really doesn't have like a ton, a ton of weaknesses. If there is anything, I would say he doesn't have the tightest handle. He doesn't have elite speed, so he has trouble turning the corner sometimes. The handle is something he can improve on. The speed, I'm not necessarily sure is something that's ever going to, I mean, I don't know even how you take drastic steps towards getting quicker or, or getting a better first step. But those are things that could definitely stand to improve. Yeah, you can definitely change some athletic, um, I don't know, properties where you can get a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, jump a little bit higher. But you're not going to overhaul everything where you're going to turn into a super athlete like this next guy that we're going to talk about. Amen Thompson, 20 years old, 6'7", 202 pounds, guard from overtime elite. He's averaging 16 points per game, 5.9 assists, and... 5.9 rebounds on pretty decent shooting. What do you think about Amin? Uh, if Brandon Miller isn't going to be the third pick, I would probably put Amin there. Uh, you have super in your notes. I have hyper athlete in my notes. So <laughs> he, uh, the dude can fly. I mean, when you watch him, it, he like glides. It's like Legend of Zelda. He throws his parachute. It, it's nuts. Uh, flashy passer and playmaker uh, can just do a lot of stuff like you just talked about athletically speed wise and and body control wise that people just can't do like most of the people on this planet are just not going to be able to move the way that he moves uh and it's something that you would absolutely draft him in the upper echelon of the draft for that being said the numbers aren't pretty in the overtime elite league which is like we don't even know how really to to judge it yet so he's super interesting again a guy that i think will be out of oklahoma city's range due to the fact that he's going to be a primary or, or at least used as a primary early to, to kind of elevate his ceiling and whatnot. But he's really interesting for sure. He's an incredible athlete. Like you were talking about, he just kind of glides. He's has that kind of like effortless way of jumping. That's sort of like Zion or even a John Morant type, but he's going to enter the NBA as like a top 1% athlete just on day one. 100%. I mean, his body control at the rim is something that like gets me athleticism. A lot of guys have athleticism. His body control and being able to contort, kind of like you just talked about in the Jama Rant way, is like that's so unteachable. And and he does it like pretty often. Well, you mentioned some of his playmaking skills. Do you see him more as a point guard than just a, a guard or a wing? 
with his shooting numbers and really just his efficiency numbers in general have not been great. Even his at the rim finishing in the half court's like not good. It's around 40%. I think you have to play him as a point guard. Like, I just don't know what he's going to be doing off ball. If he's not shooting, you don't want to stick him in the corner and make him a lob threat or a cutter. Like his passing and playmaking is so advanced that it just seems like you're not getting the most out of the pick if you don't put him as your primary. So I see him as that. I don't know if I'm necessarily high on that. Like, I think there's a world where he goes out and as the primary playmaker for the Spurs next year, he averages eight points on 38% shooting and has a ton of turnovers. It gets better progressively, but I, it, they're so tough. Like, like I said, the overtime elite, we just don't know what to make of it right now. He could come in and be incredible or he could come in and be like, what were we thinking here? Yeah, and you know um, the Thompson twins as we're going to get to Azor in the next uh, couple minutes here. They are older than guys like Usman Jing already at 20 years old, but they still are like this raw piece of clay that you can kind of mold in a way with a ton of potential. But should be really exciting. Last thing on Amin, how real do you think the shooting is, or how much of is that is is that a concern? Because the shooting splits, like we talked about, are not great. He's shooting 56 percent from the field 25 percent from three and 65 percent from the line in 27 and a half minutes i think it's a real concern i'm a guy who if you're sitting around like 32 percent 34 percent i mean even guys with great form who take a lot of volume shots who are sitting around like 30 i can work with that like i was a huge jeremy sohan believer i like anthony black in the upcoming draft but 25 percent like that's that's hard for me to get past especially in a league where like theoretically you should be getting whatever you want. So I think it's a major concern for sure. I wonder how much of that is just like shot selection and shot quality, because we saw the same thing with LaMelo coming out of New Zealand where he just took tons of just terrible shots and it wasn't always reflective of him as a shooter, but more concerning to me is just the free throw line, which is uncontested. You're doing it the same thing every single time and shooting around 65%. That's usually a pretty good indicator of a guy as a future shooter. So that would be my my major concern for him. But let's move on to his pre- twin brother, Azura Thompson. Same measurements, 20 years old, 6'7", 207 pounds, guard from overtime elite. What do you think about um, Amen's twin brother? Azar to me, is the much more interesting fit. Thunder-wise, I mean, we, we just talked about Amen's athleticism. This kid would immediately be the most athletic player on the team by a wide margin. People have been excited about like one person that can dunk on the thunder in J dub. Like they would not know how to act with his R Thompson in the lineup. They would have no idea uh, again. Yeah. Lots of similar traits. He's athletic, fluid, lengthy, good body control, but he's got a few less weaknesses than a man too. Uh, he's the better shooter. If you can call 30% better shooting, <laughs> he's a better defender in a lot of ways. And he's just much more, off-ball oriented due to a man having the ball more so to me he's a more interesting fit for Oklahoma City specifically I think his ceiling isn't as high as Amen but he's just more polished in a lot of those role player ways where you can just kind of plug and play him in like a J-dub type of role just around the floor but it's very early for any comps but he just he reminded me of Paul George in a lot of ways where he can just kind of weave in and out because you know, we've watched this under for a while. I remember when Billy Donovan was here and he said, Paul George doesn't want me to run plays for him. He's like, I'll just find my shots. And that just is what he reminds me of. Yeah, he, I think, especially next to Shea and Josh Giddy, 
as like a cutter slasher lob threat would really do well. And then if the shot ever comes around, like you're looking at a complete role player who I've touched on it. If a man was like slightly worse and we actually saw Azar as the primary playmaker and handler for the overtime elite, like it might not be that far off. If you've got a guy who shows all these role player attributes, but down the line can, can kind of, get his other traits going such as playmaking passing. Like that's not a bad pick to bet on. I don't think. No, it, it is very reminiscent of J dub where it's like, well, he's good at a lot of things, but he's not great at anything. It's like, well, if you're great at 10 different, if you're really good at 10 different things, it's probably better than just being great at one thing. So we'll see on that. Uh, moving on. Jairus Walker, 19 years old, six, eight, uh, two forty forward from Houston. What do you think about him? Um, Everything we talked about earlier and like the perfect front court partner for Chet is Jairus Walker. I mean, 6'8", 6'9", built like a freaking semi-truck, probably the best defender in the class. He's got face-up game, back-to-the-basket game. He's also shooting 40% from three, not great volume, but I mean, he'll take it. Another really underrated passer. He fits what Oklahoma City is looking for in that regard to a T. So Jairus Walker is my favorite prospect in the draft, even outside of fit with Oklahoma City, but his fit with OKC is just, it's great. Well, tell me more about it, why he's your your favorite guy in the draft right now. What stands out he, to you about him? So he was one of the most highly touted recruits in the entire class, but he chose to go to a Houston team that right now is number one in the country, is the best team in the country. They are going to make absolute noise in the tournament. I think they're probably going to win it. And he chose to go there and play the second or third fiddle to Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark and all these guys. And he's done really good in like a role player type role. And I, I just look at that and I see winner. Like he could go to South Carolina, similar to Gigi and, and be putting up 18 points per game. But instead he chose to go to a winning environment. He chose to make all the right plays. He's, he's a two-way player, does everything correctly. Like he's also just fun. Like if you watch him, he, he does stuff pretty often that, a guy his size should not be able to do. He's built like LeBron James. I mean, he's like massive. We need him and Lou Dort on the same team together, just blowing up screens. Him and him and Chet standing next to each other is like, I don't even know. It's like opposites. It's like cat dog or something. I don't know. Cat dog. That is, that is <laughs> love that here. That but, might be uh, a future front court nickname. Yes. Copyright trademark. We're taking it right now. Cat dog. <laughs> <laughs> you guys decide on who is cat and who is dog in that. But uh, it is reminiscent of Chet just being as a winner and a guy going into a program that's already established where he went to Gonzaga with a lot of those guys who are already very established on a very nice team that would just competed for a national title the year before. And he comes in, he's like, what do you guys need from me? How can I help this team instead of just molding it around them? But what do you think about Walker as a guy who maybe you plug more usage into? What do you think he could turn into? I mean, the sky's the limit. Like I said, his his face up game, he's shown it at times this year, especially in the mid-range. It's good. If he was the focal point of an offense, I think it'd be a pretty dang good offense. He's not quite as fluid and, and aerodynamic as a lot of guys. He probably prefers back to the basket game, which I think if you threw him next to Chet, like, you know, Chet loves those like high post lobs. He did it with Drew Timmy. He could totally do that with Jarris. Like that would be amazing. Um I think to answer your question, I think probably he is destined to be a, a 10 to 12 points per game guy who provides great defense. 
But if he can go off for 20 here, 20 there, like that's a good thing too. But just overall, the other thing is that Jarris, like he's so good at all these things, it's also raised his stock. So he was another guy that, like, if I had Brandon Miller pegged for the Thunder early in the season, I had Jarris there too. And now he's playing himself into like top five category. So it, it's tough. They're, they're, these guys that I like for OKC are playing themselves out of their range. Can you start liking guys who are in the range? <laughs> I, I'll try. Okay. And then the last one of the five out is uh, Grady Dick, 19-year-old, 6'8", guard from Kansas, who's a sharpshooter. What do you think about his game? Yeah, I did an entire YouTube video on Grady over the last few days, and I already knew he was good, but I came away like way, way impressed. Six foot eight sniper, lights out shooter. Uh, He's going to be a legit scoring weapon without needing the ball, which I really think could really benefit Oklahoma City. Um, I ran like a side by side video of him with Clay Thompson trying to line them up at the same time. And Grady's release was actually quicker on like a more advanced shot. Like the dude is nuts shooting the ball. What do you think about him as a two-way player? Because the Thunder have been in a situation the last, I don't know, decade of finding guys who are one-way players. We have an Andre Robertson who can defend like crazy but can't uh, shoot anything. And then the Thunder have had different guys who can shoot some, but they're inconsistent, but they can't defend. Where do you think Grady falls in, I don't know, that um, dichotomy? When I watch Grady's defense, I don't think it pops to me a ton. But again, he's 6'8". Like, He's got length. He disrupts some. He's anticipatory in passing lanes. And the numbers, I ran him through Cerebro Sports, which is a analytics database. They do great work. Uh, and he, he averaged like an 82 DSI, defensive statistical impact, throughout his entire basketball career, which if you don't know what that means, you probably don't. Really good. Like So the numbers say that he's actually a way better defender than it looks. When I watch him, it's kind of like, eh, like the steals are kind of going right to him. He's not like a shot blocker or anything, but the numbers back up that he's pretty good. So I don't know what to think. How much zone are they playing? Is it a lot of just zone or is he defending in space and different things like that, different scenarios? They switch it up a lot. Like he's not great in isolation, but again, he's tall enough that like, Six foot eight, he's gonna get a hand somewhere. Like he's one thing he's loves like weight, like almost cherry picking. He's like prepped and loaded to to push and transition a lot, which I think could play to Oklahoma City's benefit. But and then offensively, do you think there's more to his game than just being a shooter? Is he a guy who has you know a little extra bag like a Kevin Herter, or is this more of like a Corey Kispert situation where it's like this is kind of ninety percent of his game? So at the rim. He's actually pretty good, like especially for a guy who shoots it this much. He finishes like 60 something percent at the rim. So that's really good. And he can break people down off like simple dribble moves, like blow buys. He's got like a one dribble pull up counter on hard closeouts that he can like take a few steps up and shoot it and get to the rim in those ways. There's not a lot in like the mid range. It's just that creation. Like he just doesn't have creative ability. He did not go to the tray man course for dribbling like he doesn't have anything like that in his bag, but I mean, he's efficient everywhere. He's efficient at the rim. He's efficient from three. He's got range. So as a score overall, he's good. I don't know. Hold yeah, on. that's interesting. I mean, because you have guys, the Thunder are definitely building something intentionally where they want different guys who can handle the ball and make decisions and be quick with it. 
And it just doesn't work if there's one guy who can't do that. You saw with Darius Baisley, it's just like a record scratch where the team just like it's moving the ball, it's flowing, and it gets to one guy who's not making decisions as fast. So I think that's going to be one of the bigger things for the Thunder as they enter into this draft and go through the lottery process. Obviously, if there's like a number one overall talent, you say, screw that. You just make it work. But more more than not, more times than not, I think that they're going to prioritize the fit uh, culture wise and player wise over other things. So do you think Grady would fit into a lot of those things or is he going to be more of a guy you need to play around in that record scratch thing because even Isaiah Joe is not somebody who's handling the ball a ton but he can make quick decisions yeah he doesn't quite fit the mold that they've been looking for but like my personal draft philosophy I don't think there should be too many cooks in the kitchen I I know that Sam Presti probably doesn't agree with that but I think there is some element to team building here that you can't ignore like the Raptors or kind of proved that this year to me, they had a bunch of these similar guys to Oklahoma city molds and couldn't really do anything because it's all the same five player on the court. They go out and get Jakob Pertle and now they're rolling. They won like seven of their last 10. So like you talked about with Isaiah Joe, he's been amazing this year. He's got like the six highest plus minus in the league right now. I think there is some advantage to drafting a guy like Grady who could be such a weapon offensively without needing the ball, like Josh Shea, J-Dub, even Lou at times, like being able to run any sort of pick and roll combinations with Shay, Josh, J-Dub, Chet, and then just having Grady Dick like prepped and loaded to shoot the ball is like basketball cinema to me. Yeah, and he's going to be a guy who can knock down those shots. Um, It's just it's going to be very interesting with this team because like you mentioned, the Raptors having that problem. It reminds me of a Ty Lu quote that came out earlier this season where they were talking about Paul. He was talking about Paul George and Kawhi being out and all the other guys on the team. He goes, we have only two cooks and we have a lot of guys who like to eat. And the Thunder in a different situation where they have all these cooks and like Lou Dort is like, feed me all of this. I will take all the shots. But at some point... There are so many unselfish guys that you need certain guys to come in and just take those shots. As much as people have been down on Lou Dort, including myself, on some of his shot selection, whenever he was out for the last couple of weeks, I think you could feel it because there were just certain possessions where the ball would boomerang around. You go, all right, it's time for somebody to shoot. And then they were just too unselfish. 100%. Yeah, Lou would have shot that 15 seconds ago. (laughs) But we'll see. Um that's it for five out, but I wanted to move on and just give you the opportunity to talk about any other guys that I missed in the draft. Obviously, let's let's knock this out of the way first. Victor Women Yama and Scoot Henderson are the top two players in this draft. I know you mentioned it earlier that a lot of these guys are out of the Thunder range, but just thinking about their draft assets, maybe there's something crazy that happens. Maybe they can trade up, but I think the top two is kind of locked in stone of you're not getting into those guys. Yeah, for sure. Victor and and Scoot are they're the two. Like there's no scenario where those guys aren't the first two off the board. People have talked about Brandon Miller maybe overtaking Scoot. That's not going to happen. Just not going to happen. Uh one guy that I think could both be in Oklahoma City's range and I think if you took positions completely out of it and looked in a vacuum, Anthony Black would be the Thunder pick. Like he's the guy. His NBA comparison is Josh Giddy. He can score, pass, rebound. Uh, He's a great playmaker. Obviously, drafting a smaller Josh Giddey and inserting him into the current team would be odd, but I tweeted out the other day, Oklahoma City is drastically better with Shea, Josh, and J-Dub leading the chart as primary and secondary handlers. I think AB uh, could plug into that 
trio pretty well, and you could keep two of them on court at all times. Yeah, I think that's the mold for a lot of this stuff is I talked to Joe about it is just looking at the Rockets from a few years ago where they had Chris Paul and James Harden. Obviously, the Thunder team doesn't want to play as much isolation basketball, but just having ahead of the snake on the floor at all times who can just kind of sift through these defensive lapses and just run your offense and orchestrate things, I think is incredibly important. And if you can have four guys on your roster and two of those guys on the court at all times, I think that can just kind of keep all your offensive lineups afloat. And then it's just really on the defense and shooting after that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Taylor Hendricks is one other interesting one. He's a six foot nine, two way forward from UCF shooting like 40% from three on five attempts. He's a good help defender and shot blocker. He may not be, again, the mold that Oklahoma City is looking for, especially in these last few drafts, but I think he'd be a really good fit next to Chet. He's almost in that same Grady Dick line of thinking where he fills a lot of role player holes that Oklahoma City kind of desperately needs right now. And the last guy I wanted to ask you about, Jalen Williams from Auburn. Can (laughs) we get a third Jalen Williams? Do you know anything about him? I don't know a single thing about him. I know that his name is Jalen Williams. I saw this on Twitter the other day, or maybe it was on the Thunder subreddit, and it was like, we got to get him. I was like, you know, we've, they've got seconds to spare. I've seen that on the Thunder subreddit. I've seen uh, at the deadline, it was like trading everybody for a guy named Jalen or a last name Williams in the NBA, which was just pretty fun. But thanks for coming on with me. I really appreciate you talking about the draft and giving a little bit more insight on some of these things that, I'm not as familiar with right now, but as we gear up a little bit more towards draft season and I don't know, I I try to protect myself from getting excited about prospects who aren't in the range because I remember during the giddy draft of it's like, oh, we're, where's uh, Cade Cunningham and he looks good and Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. And then you go, oh, they have the sixth pick. All of that <laughs> was for nothing. But it is a, really fun to talk about the potential of these guys. What a demoralizing, demoralizing time, by the way. That 2021 draft, people went from like, we're going to get picks one and five to only six was was not fun. The likelihood of the Thunder taking two different guys named Jalen was much higher in that draft than last year's draft. And they ended up getting not Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs, which has worked out. But man, what an incredible draft. I think the Thunder and Presti, I guess, squeezed the most out of the lemon they could unless they just picked Franz. But should be very interesting as we gear up for this next draft cycle as they only are really going to have one pick in this next draft, but they have a lot more to come in 2024 with guys like Cody Williams, J-Dub's brother, and uh, Bronny James. So we'll we'll set our calendar for a year from now and bring you on to talk about that. Sounds good. Right now I'm mentally preparing for this like late night back-to-back that we're on, 8 p.m. last night, 9 p.m. tonight. And then I'm also having to navigate today being my anniversary so i'm gonna have to like sneak in there somewhere that i will be watching basketball on the anniversary today so pray for me godspeed i'm glad you could figure out a way also to fit this into your schedule this is the the most important thing you're going to do today but derek thank you so much for coming on do you have anything to plug before we get out of here um my youtube derek dash parker i've been doing some some nba draft stuff over there draft digest it's like si.com slash draft uh, we write three times a day, every day over there. Um, and then inside the thunder.com. Those are the the three places you can find me the most. Always a good time talking to you. And then thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Thunderbud Pod. And thanks again. And we'll be back 
on Tuesday.